Welcome to Hollywood Obsessed with Tony Miros, a podcast that celebrates our endless fascination with the iconic people, locations, and history of the entertainment capital of the world. If you're as obsessed with Hollywood as Tony is, or would like to be, get ready to enjoy another exciting, brand new episode of Hollywood Obsessed. Now, here's your host, Tony Miros. Hello, friends. This is your host, Tony Miros, speaking to you from the heart of Tinseltown. On this episode of Hollywood Obsessed, I'm speaking with actress, director, and writer Dinah Manoff, who's best known for playing the role of Pink Lady Marty Maraschino in the blockbuster musical film Grease, starring John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John. Born in New York City to actress Lee Grant and screenwriter Arnold Manoff, Dinah grew up in Malibu, California, and graduated from Santa Monica High. She continued her studies at the Actors Studio and made her television debut on the hit TV sitcom Welcome Back, Cotter, starring her future Grease co-star, John Travolta. She then went on to star as a series regular on the hilarious ABC sitcom Soap. Then in 1978, her big break came when she was cast as Marty Maraschino in the smash hit musical Grease. After her success on the big screen, she went to Broadway and won both a Theatre World Award and Tony Award as Best Featured Actress for her performance in the Broadway production of Neil Simon's I Ought to Be in Pictures, a role she reprised in the film of the same name, starring Walter Matthau and Anne Margaret. She has also appeared in several other memorable films like Ordinary People, Child's Play, Welcome Home Roxy Carmichael, and the independent film Bart Got a Room. On television, she's best known for her portrayal as neurotic divorcee Carol Weston on the classic TV sitcom Empty Nest, which ran from 1988 until 1995. She's also worked as a television director, helming episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch and numerous episodes of Empty Nest. Her first novel, The Real True Hollywood Story of Jackie Gold, which came out in 2021, has recently been released as an audiobook and is currently available for purchase online or at your neighborhood bookstore. And now she's here with me today to tell me all about it. So let's get to it and welcome her to the podcast. Hello, Dinah. Thank you so much for being my guest on Hollywood Obsessed. Thank you, Tony. I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad we're finally doing this, Dinah. I can't even tell you because, you know, I've already spoken to Randall Kleiser and Barry Pearl and Lorenzo Lamas. And I said to Barry, because I know you guys were all together. You're such a little family, the Grease family. I said, Barry, please remind Dinah I want to interview her for the podcast. (laughs) So thank I'm going to thank Barry. I'm going to call him after this is done. But thank you so much for coming on the show. I so appreciate it. Well, Barry wrote to me and put in a very good word for you, just so you know, Tony. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, he knows, because I met Barry several times, and he knows that my, and I told them all, that Greece was where my obsession with Hollywood began. It's all your guy's fault. I mean, the moment (laughs) I saw it, I was 10, and the moment I saw it, I could not stop watching it. Everything about it, every single song, every word, every line, every gesture. I have watched that movie hundreds and hundreds of times. And I know that you know that with all the Grease fans or just, we we can't get enough of the movie. So I want to thank you on that level for bringing me so much joy and bringing us all so much joy. But I want to talk about how that changed your life and where you are today, because there's, it's, it's a vast difference, I'm sure. Um, but you're a New Yorker like me. That's, we're going to start from the beginning. So you were born in New York, right? 
I was born in New York. Um, my mother uh, is an actress, Lee Grant, and a director. Okay. Yeah. And my father was a blacklisted uh, playwright, Arnold Manoff. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was born into a very <laughs> stressful home <laughs> <laughs> on the Upper West Side of New York, um, where, um, you know, the blacklist was in full swing when I was born. And, and uh, I remember uh, my father cautioning me to watch what I said on the phone because our phones were tapped and I was five. I don't know what I could have possibly said to get anybody in trouble at five years old, but that was the um, the environment and the atmosphere <laughs> I was born into in New York. And um, shortly after that, uh, my, my uh, parents divorced. My father passed away when I was nine mm. and my mother and I moved to Malibu, California, where um, the novel Jackie Gold um, takes place and um, begins it begins there even though it is not a memoir i draw upon a lot of parts of my childhood yeah it's very interesting i here i just read it i just finished i just finished reading it uh and i loved every moment of it but i kept thinking of you in when i was reading about jackie i was like oh this is her this is her this is her this is her um i'm sure it's not a it's not, a, not an, uh, it's honestly not a memoir in case anybody thinks it's not but i'm sure there's a parts of you in this novel sure because it, i mean it's a big novel it's, you wrote a lot yeah well <clears throat> you know they say write what you know and um i don't know kentucky but i know <laughs> um, new york and malibu and i know show business so i wrote um i wrote uh jackie who um unlike me uh she is a huge star uh, more like uh well, I used compilations of like Demi Moore and, and uh, Lindsay Lohan, and Britney Spears. She's a right. she's a tabloid darling, and yeah. um, and uh, you know, um, while I used uh, Malibu as a jumping off point, you know, Jackie's adventures take her uh, into the the darker side of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. But it's a great read and. I'm not going to tell anybody what happens at the end, but the ending's a surprise ending. So I was, I was really. It's a good twist. It really is. The fun part in doing the audible, and I I really appreciate you having me on because doing the audible was like re-giving birth to the same baby, but doing it, you know, like in an even better way. And um, I decided that I wanted to um, use other actors to play the other characters in the book I wanted to yeah. do Jackie because she's my voice. And and um, uh, the man who approached me to do the Audible is an editor and distributor in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to have to leave my, my uh, comfy little nest where I live. So yeah. I brought in actors, some of whom are my students, some of whom I've directed up here. We've got a big pool of talent here. And we went into a little recording studio up here and we, you know, just all came in after work in the evenings and, and recorded the novel and it was so much fun and i think it's even better than the book i can't wait to hear it i haven't heard the audible version because i just finished the book so i'm gonna re- i'm gonna listen to what you did <laughs> but uh, writing a novel that is not an easy task how long did it take you to write this 25 30 years you know no biggie. <laughs> just, <laughs> just a couple of decades <laughs> was this it something really did was this something it, that you just kept thinking about? Is that what it was? 
it's exactly right. I started it in a workshop years and years ago. Um, I, I actually was inspired by um, two, uh, two events. One was um, Diana, Princess Diana, being hounded by the paparazzi to her death. Yeah. That really blew my mind as it did, you know, the world. And then right around that same time, I was on uh, the series Empty Nest, and I had just, actually, I'd finished Empty Nest, but I had just given birth to my first child. And this guy from the Inquirer showed up at my front door on my front step. That's terrible. And to question the paternity of my child. <gasps> and I went crazy. I mean, I started to scream. I was in my bathrobe. I chased him off the lawn. I chased him down the street. I called the lawyer and I said, uh-uh, you know, this is this is an invasion. Um, you know, mm -hmm. certainly the, the tabloids had written stuff about me for years, but it was also harmless. It was like, you know, uh, off dyes her hair to match the fur on the dog in Empty Nets. I mean, literally, they wrote a whole article about that. You know, everything was harmless up until that point where I thought, yeah. oh, these people are the enemy. They're out to get me. And yeah. and it started me, you know, thinking about the story that Jackie Gold finds herself in where she she uh, jumps off a balcony and um, to escape the paparazzi and ends up in a coma in the hospital. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course, it's a funny book. <laughs> it does it is funny. funny the way I'm selling it, but, but it is. <laughs> Well, after you but get really off the funny. jumping off, a, right, after you jump <laughs> off the balcony, then you have the inner thoughts. And it's funny. It is funny. But yeah, honestly. it is. It's a dark, it's a dark comic tale. Yeah. But I loved that you use that as the entrance to come into Jackie's life. And, you know, she goes through her life as if it's like she's remembering everything. And, and it's really a very vivid portrayal of this character I'm, i was really impressed with i mean i was like wow she's really coming up with all this stuff so congratulations i loved the book i really did thank you so much um your parents amazing the way that you come from the, that such talented people your mother her films oscar she won an oscar uh for shampoo and your dad my god his his book um I mean, he's, he's so many wonderful things, but the, the, his experiences on the blacklist were um, inspirations for that film, The Front, with, with yes. Woody Allen. And so, yeah. uh, again, Hollywood has run through your veins from before you were even born. Was that for you? Did it hold you back from starting a career as an actress? Were you having second thoughts because of what had happened with your dad and, and your mom consequently got blacklisted because of that for a while? What it, did that affect you at all when you were growing up and wanted to become an actress? I didn't want to become an actress. I'm an accidental actress. I really started acting because there was nothing else I was qualified to do. And that's the truth. Really? I was basically, yeah, I was, you know, basically a, a you know, a, a juvenile delinquent, for lack of a better word. That's what they used to call girls like me. <laughs> fallen women. <laughs> it's a fallen woman. <laughs> it's hilarious. And, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I started acting because I, it was something I knew I could do. I wasn't trained. I wasn't crafted. Um, I felt like a fraud through most of the early uh, 
parts of my career. That I have in common with Jackie. Jackie has that too. She stumbles into show business the way I did. And, you know, um, I was very intimidated by my mother's, not fame so much, but by her talent. Um, I was intimidated by the fact that she had started studying when she was a child, that she was at the actor's studio, that she was part of the neighborhood playhouse. You know, she was this incredibly respected actress. And I was, for lack of a better word, I was kind of a fuck up, you know. And, um, and so, you know, I was like skirting a career for a long time. Um, it really wasn't until I was in my 30s that I felt like I was owning myself as an actress. I mean, even when I did Grease, I felt pretty much, you know, insecure and terrified most of the time. <laughs> I was just faking my way. Um, but, you know, I was raised in theater. And from the time I could read, I was cueing my mother on script. So acting was literally in my DNA and in my blood so that I, you know, I could get by with a lot untrained yeah. and, um, you know, but it was a long time before I took the craft itself seriously. And, and my goodness, your career has been amazing since then. Um, but I wanted to talk about how you had your television interview on what? Welcome back, Carter. Was that the first show you did? <laughs> Well, the very, very, very first show I did was called The Great Chair of Knitwear Strike. It was uh -huh. on PBS, and it starred Kathleen Beller and um, um, Adam. It's gone out of my head. Um, it's okay. Anyway, I, I played her ugly best friend. The character's name, I don't know how I remember this, was Gazella Farkas. And they, they, the makeup people put pimples all over my face. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not the career. I want to be the best friend of the pretty girl. <laughs> Adam Arkin. That's who it was. And so um, that was the very first thing I did. And then the next thing I did was Welcome Back, Cotter, where <laughs> my character um, asks um, – uh, Vinnie Barbarino to the dance that was John Travolta and she ends up going with Horshack so once again not exactly what I had in mind but uh, <laughs> that was my very first job and it was how I met John but that was a huge show huge I mean he was a huge TV star yeah. what was John like during that before Greece what was he like before Greece when you were when you were working with him the same as he's always been, the gentlest, warmest, dearest guy I you could meet. Never had a sense of himself as a, you know, pushy big star. He never wore that ever, ever, ever that I ever saw. Um, he was as sweet and funny and gracious with me then during Welcome Back, Cotter as he was all during Greece and any other time I've, you know, run into him over the years. He's a, he's such a darling. It's so funny because I was reading your bio and yes, you had the connection with John before you did Greece, but then you ended up on soap where you had a connection with not only um, Richard who played your dad later on, on, uh, on empty nest, but empty also nest. Susan Harris. Yeah. So like the beginning of your career, 
all all of it came back a little bit later. It's interesting. Yeah. What, yeah. What was soap like to get on that soap? She was that was a hilarious show. Well, you know, it was like walking into the pages of your favorite book and going, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm meeting all the characters because I had been watching it for the year before I went in. It was the biggest show on television. It was yeah. the most controversial show that had ever been done up until that point. And, you know, when I got cast, I, I could not believe I was going to get to do that show. And, um, and again, I felt like I was flying by the seat of my pants. It was a very early job for me. And, um, you know, I was uh, properly intimidated by the amount of talent that was around me. But, you know, I... <laughs> I think because I grew up, you know, um, with Neil Simon's words in my mouth all the time. And, you know, my mother did <laughs> Neil Simon plays and movies and I cued her on Neil Simon scripts when I was a kid. And so I had that, you know, that good Jewish comedy rhythm. Sound. <laughs> <laughs> and Susan Harris and I share that kind of voice. You know, I, I knew how to how to portray those people. Um, yeah. And uh, so it came easily for me. And and uh, when Susan wrote Empty Nest, I mean, I felt like I would have killed for that part to, to, to play Carol. I felt like I had Carol in my veins, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and I was working again with Tony and Paul, who produced. So, you know, Paul was married mm. to Susan. Yeah. Right. By the way, I want to say about my mother. She is alive and kicking. She's 98 years old, and you've God never seen her. a more gorgeous, smarter, fit human being. I don't know. I don't know if I want to live to 98, but if I do, <laughs> I hope it's just like her. God bless. I love your mother. Would you please tell her that I am a huge fan? Love her. I, um, I absolutely will. Um, back to soap for one second. Danny Dallas, the, guy, the character Danny Dallas was played by Ted Wass, yeah. who made his Broadway debut in the Broadway production of Grease playing Danny Zuko. Yeah. Had you seen Grease before you got cast on the in the film? I did, I uh, but I saw Barry Boswick do Grease. Uh-huh. And, um, and even, let's see, I saw Adrian Zemed do it, but I think we had made the film by then. Um, but I saw Barry do it. Um, I guess it was either on or off Broadway. I can't remember, but it was uh, it was so fabulous. And and the film wasn't even an idea then, you know, when, when Grease first came out. Right. No, I I, I love the show, but when the, the movie came out, that's like I mean, it really turned everything around. And so, what was that like? How did you get Marty uh, Maraschino? How did she come to your life? <laughs> well, I originally read for Frenchie. And um, Joel Thurm, who was the casting agent, you should interview Joel. Joel's got the best stories of all of us. You know, he just wrote a he just wrote a book called something like Sex, Lies, and the Casting Couch or something like that. <laughs> it's really good. It's super juicy. Anyway, you should get Joel Thurm to come to your show. He would love doing it. And uh, Joel was casting. And I read for Frenchie. And he said, come back and read for Marty. But I want you to wear, you know, this like red lipstick, something about he has it in his book of the story. It was something about fire and ice lipstick. Mm -hmm. And I had this lipstick 
from my dead Aunt Primo that I had. <laughs> you kept her lipstick? <laughs> yeah. Because she was like this siren in the 40s. And I uh-huh. had her old red lipstick. And I was like, this is the lipstick. And so I came in and I read Marty. And I based Marty on being a girl who wanted to be Marilyn Monroe. So I wasn't being Marilyn Monroe. I was being a girl who wanted to be like Marilyn Monroe. So she had all this affectation, you know, and that's, <laughs> and that's how I played her. And and um, it worked out. I, I remember the first dance audition. I just went in the back and just swiveled my hips because I'm really not a dancer. I wouldn't go so far as to say I have two left feet, but I certainly... <laughs> I certainly don't have a lot of coordination. <laughs> I just, you know, I just did a lot of this in the back of the, you know, a lot of uh, uh, sashaying and, and wiggling and, and being pouty um, while everybody else danced around me. <laughs> you see, I've yes. seen that movie a million times. You never notice. You never notice that you're not well, dancing. That's Pat Birch uh, hid me pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've all said, I've interviewed them, a lot of your co-stars, and they're like, yeah, we had a sock hop at the beginning, and they, I mean, she was testing to see how we could dance. Was that Was that weird for you? Did you feel self-conscious when that sock hop thing happened? I felt self-conscious. I felt self-conscious every day of filming. I mean, there wasn't a time in those years when I was not thinking I was going to get fired every five minutes. You know, Mm. as I said, you know, I felt like I was lucky by the seat of my pants, just kind of showing up and going along for the ride and doing my best. But I, I, um, I had no confidence. I had nothing. Yeah. What was it like working with Randall as a director? What was it like with Randall? Oh, my God. Randall <laughs> Randall and Joel Thurm, who I was telling you about, the casting director. <laughs> and there, were, there were other really beautiful boys with them. Randall was so handsome. It was like John was, you know, John was so gorgeous. You couldn't get within 10 feet without starting to feel your knees buckle. But Randall was also pretty goddamn cute. And Hmm. so (laughs) he would be sitting in his director's chair, um, kind of surrounded by other very adorable men. I remember everybody in a tank top, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) Maybe that's just where my memory's gone. And Randall was, it never seemed to me like he was stretched or tense. He was so easygoing, you know, Mm. and he was so um, permissive with us. I mean, anything we wanted to try, he would let us try. He was just game. He was, you know, he was having a really good time. And I can't imagine what kind of, you know, pressure Alan Carr must have been putting on him because Alan was so impossible. But Randall and Pat Birch just were a, a great, great team together. They really, t- I said to him, I said, Randall, how did you handle it all with the dancing and all the, all of those people dancing in different spots? And he goes, Pat Birch. He was like, Pat Birch, yeah. it was her. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were, they were a real team. They knew where to put the camera. And, you know, I mean, you think about that first shot where John turns around into camera and a still that makes me gasp 
you know, that first mm -hmm. shot of him when he when he's um, Zuko. Oh my yeah. God, you know. And Randall Randall shot John with such heat, you know. Yeah. He really did. He did. What was Alan Carr like? I've I'm reading a book about him now, and he seemed like he was so over the top. What was he like? He was so over the top. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> he had a caftan for every occasion. <laughs> I've heard about his parties at his house. I I, I I I can't even imagine what those were like. Yeah, there were there were. I went to one of those. He would have a party. I guess we were. My mom and I went to the. There was the Ada. M and then the N to Z party. So it was in two days. You had to come and, you know, whatever your last name fell in the alphabet. And um, so my mom and I went, I think we went under her G for Grant. And, uh, you know, he had literally had costume changes during the party. It was a, a great Coke-filled extravaganza <laughs> because it was, you know, <laughs> that those were the days, my dear. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah. So the pink ladies, the the, the four of you, Jamie, Do uh, Donnelly, Didi Khan, and Stalker Channing, you guys had such great chemistry. Had you yeah. had time to form those friendships before filming, or did that was just that was just acting? I think that was just who we were. I think we were all, you know, kind of delighted with each other. Everyone got along. I don't remember yeah. anybody not getting along on that set. I don't remember any bad gossip or bad feelings. Um, all of us uh, really fell for each other. And I was so like enamored with Stockard. I mean, I would just follow her around like a puppy dog because <laughs> I knew she was like, she was a heavyweight, you know? Yeah. I, you could tell in the work she was doing. And she always kept herself just a little separate, you know? And of course, I was really attracted to that because I just wanted to win her over all the time. And that worked perfectly for our relationship as characters. It did, because Marty was like that with Rizzo. She yes, was very totally. that. Yeah. Yeah. I was always seeking her approval as Marty and as Dinah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite scene? Do you have a favorite scene or part uh, of the film of Greece? Well, for me, I mean, the, my favorite scene to have acted in was the slumber party. It was, yeah. for me, it was the loosest I felt. I was comfortable. I, was, I wasn't self-conscious that day. I was having such a good time. Um, I loved being able to act out as bad girls. And Olivia, who was also just one of the most generous, sweetest, loveliest, funniest people you could ever meet. Olivia was really a good girl. It wasn't just Sandy. Olivia was a goody two-shoes, like for real. <laughs> and so, and so, you know, kind of mock torturing her in that scene was just <laughs> such great, great fun. We all had such a good time and she was such a great sport. And um, yeah, so that was my favorite scene to film. Um, I think watching the movie, my favorite scene is probably Grease Lightning. Grease Lightning? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's just like that. I never get tired of seeing that. No. I was telling Randall, I said, you know, those those big musical numbers were really 
they really took the audience out of their out of their world and brought them into your world. Um, but the summer nights, the very first number, summer nights, yeah. I'll never forget how the feeling I felt watching it. I was yeah. like swept up <clears throat> and I never let go after that. But he told me he saw when he saw Grease, the musical, he saw how they had staged summer nights because it was the girls singing on one side of the stage and the guys singing on the other side. And he said, that's kind of how we want to do it. Was it hard for that number because you were singing only the girls' parts? Did you hear the guys' part? How was that working with the, as far as coordinating with the, the two different groups? Do you remember? I don't remember. I remember it being easy. Um, I don't remember it being hard. I think they must have had a recording or something of the of the other side, but I remember it being really easy. Barry, you know, Barry remembers everything. I'm not the best one for Because <laughs> as, as I said, juvenile delinquent bad girl. So, but Barry was on top of everything and Dee Dee also very on top of everything. So they would, they would be able to tell you probably, you know, exactly what happened that day. What about beauty school dropout with Frankie Avalon? That must've been. Oh God, that was so much fun. Um, what I remember about shooting, I believe that was the week that Elvis died. That's what I always tie that theme to, that we heard about Elvis dying while we were shooting that. Um, Frankie, who is still, looks exactly the same as he did then, and then he looked exactly the same as he had 40 years before that. I don't know. It's like, I, I don't want to call it embalming fluid, but there's something that's, you know, working for him um he well he was charming and talented and it was exciting to be with him and and uh and it was a lot of work that day as i recall because those head pieces <laughs> had to keep them straight and on <laughs> top of our head and walk down those stairs and very high heels and yeah oh my gosh but uh yeah it was fun that was a real Hollywood movie musical scene, right? I mean, that was like old Busby Berkeley kind of. Yeah. That must have been like wild for you going, oh, Jesus, now I'm have to dance down these stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I just did what they told me to do. <laughs> I, don't know. I just remember going, okay, you know, I was just game for whatever came my way. Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with the fabulous Dinah Manoff. On the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed, my conversation with Dinah continues as we discuss what it was like filming the dance contest and carnival scenes in the blockbuster movie musical Grease, our memories of winning the Tony Award for Neil Simon's I Ought to Be in Pictures, and lots of funny behind-the-scenes stories of working on the classic TV sitcoms Empty Nest and The Golden Girls. All that and more on the next episode of Hollywood Obsessed. This is your host... Tony Miros. See you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Hollywood Obsessed. Make sure to visit our Facebook page, Hollywood Obsessed Podcast, where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss a single episode. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in every other Monday for our next episode. That's a wrap.